Hello, and welcome back to the Ball Order podcast. Uh, this is Anand Ashok. I'm joined by Arvind Vasudevan. Arvind, how was your weekend? Uh, do you enjoy it as much as I did? Um, yeah, it was a pretty good weekend, right? Great weekend of sport, particularly great weekend of Premier League football. Uh, the, the random generator of fixtures has come up, you know, with a pretty solid list this weekend, I think you could say. Uh, everything that you wanted, like, you know, some top-of-the-table clashes, got some mid-table clashes going on as well with uh, the team I support at this point in time uh, against the other United and uh, and also some like very early relegation battles, right? You yeah. had Fulham and Sheffield, uh, Sheffield United. So very good, very good weekend. What about you? Did you manage to catch a few of the games? Yeah, managed to catch the majority of the games as you, as you might have heard. Unfortunately, they've put some of the games on pay-per-view here, but was lucky yesterday. I happened to be at my cricket club, uh, where we sat down and watched uh, the whole day of games. Uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty damn good. Uh, let's start with the first game, actually. Uh, Merseyside Derby. A lot to talk about in this one. Oh, yeah. For once, the Merseyside Derby lived up to the, the hype, in my opinion. What did you think? I agree. agree. Very eventful Derby. I think it's a, it was a great watch for the neutral. Um, I would be fuming if I were a Liverpool fan right now. Um, you know, I think... Uh, I think the Van Dyke injury, right? Like it really stands yeah. out. Like Jaron Pickford, he he's more like Jaron, get your pitch folks out, right? Like the guy needs to be banned for this. It, it, it's shocking that it's not already happened. Um, it was just like a career ending, potential leg breaking tackle. The ACL is now something never going to tear. It's going to be interesting to see how he comes back from it because yes, yes, we've definitely improved how we treat ACLs, but it's very hard to see him come back to the level that he's been at, right? It's, yeah. a, it's a pretty early call and this is, um, it's, it feels kind of seminal as a result for Klopp's time at Liverpool, right? Like, yeah. I think that the team, people forget it now, but uh, in the first few years of his time there, they were great attacking, but extremely poor defensively. And Van Dijk changed that almost single-handedly. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And I think we should definitely touch upon the tactical implications of that for Liverpool. Yeah. Their style is just so dependent on having somebody with the commanding uh, power of like Van Dyke in both on the air as well as on the ground and the ability to read the game. Um, I don't know how they're going to be able to play the high line that they play right now without him there. So it's going to be interesting if they, they can do one of two things, right? Either they decide that they might need to like pack in a more of a defensive presence in their, in their center midfield to have somebody like step back so that they can always protect against the ball or the top. Yeah. Or they might just go the other way, which is like, you know what, we, we know we're not going to be the same defensively. Let's just go back to outscoring teams again. Yeah. And, and, and really like using Firmino much more as a traditional striker, not just the false nine who like works extremely hard recently. So uh, a lot of tactical questions. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond. Uh, Thiago's injury, obviously, as well. Like, you know, uh, but, but Van Dijk, that, that really is the headline, right, for, for that. What about, what, what do you think? Like, obviously, oh, I, think, I completely uh, agree. Uh, it was an absolute shame. You never want to see that, especially someone who's as good as Van Dyke. I mean, I hate the guy when we're playing against him, but never want to see that happen to someone. And I think it's an absolute joke that VAR didn't intervene because even if it was offside, if you get serious foul play after, uh, you usually still have to review those. So I'm really not sure if they've changed the rules or exactly how they have not given that a red card. Absolute joke, I think. But I mean, let's let's stick to VAR for a second, uh, or the VAS as it was uh, here. How the hell was that offside at the end as well? Uh, I mean, surely, surely you cannot be giving those. 
I mean, the Van Dyke thing was bad enough, but I mean, what did you think? Did you think it was as ridiculous as I did? I agree. And, and, and the thing is like, you know, Liverpool have benefited from, from VAR more than most clubs. Let's be yeah. clear about that, right? But um, this with the combination of the new handball rule, uh, you know, I, I just have to at some point say that, you know, like, can somebody put their hands up, accept that this is a bad, ill-judged call, at least in its current form, and, and go back to how things were, right? Like, it's not, like, like VAR has its uses. I think it's, it's good when there's a clear and obvious error, right? But when it's not a clear and obvious error, you just let it go. And, and there are other sports that have done this reasonably well. I think uh, cricket's actually a good example of the Hawkeye yeah. technology that they use. And uh, they've evolved it little by little to get to a pretty decent spot. I just feel like there's a bit of obstinacy on the part of the administrators who seem totally out of touch with what fans want and what fans want to see, right? So I think uh, it has to change. It's, it's, uh, it's ruining some matches. And I think it's just adding to a weird situation where everyone feels hard done by it. It's not like a single team is happy with it because everyone knows that when that's going to happen to you eventually, it's going to feel so bad that it, it almost counteracts the, the benefit of having it go your way, which is the worst possible situation to be in because you can't actually feel happy about it yeah. But you can always feel bad about it. So yeah, VAR, it, 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 it's, it was a virus, like you said. It was like, you, yeah. you got it exactly right. Absolute joke. Uh, for me, the biggest thing is we go to football, we watch football because we want to see goals. The way so many goals are being disallowed, especially for like a toenail or how do you know when the ball has left the foot even to get that level of precision uh, on this? Uh, I think you mentioned cricket. That's a really good example. Hawkeye technology is definitely not perfect, but mm-hmm. they accept that. And they've got that, that kind of umpire school where they say, make the call on the pitch. And if it's in that gray area, we'll stick to it. I feel like they've got to do something of the sort to say that if it's within, I don't know, a few centimeters on that thing or whatever, you just stick to whatever the linesman thought or the referee thought. I just thought it was an absolute joke you just can't be having that and i think liverpool will feel very hard done by yeah uh, by I those decisions i mean but yeah. i i really like the idea that you just came up with actually you know like having some kind of gray area where you know that technology is not infallible yeah. and effectively saying hey you know what we're going to defer to the original decision with the understanding that human beings make error and it's implicit right yeah. like that, I think I think that's actually the most elegant solution. That way, like anything that's an obvious call that needs to be made gets made. Yeah. Anything that's within that gray area, like you know, can get overruled or like sorry, not get overruled, but like get kept as is, right? Yeah. So I think I think um, yeah, I, I quite like that idea, and I think there's some things that you know we can definitely learn from other sports here. Yeah, and uh, leave it in the comments. What do you think of that? Uh, but anyone watching from the FA or PG Mall, um, you can get in touch. Uh, I'll send my invoice over. I've sorted VAR out for you. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, good game. 2-2, fair reflection uh, overall, did you think? Um, no, I think Liverpool, like even as a United fan, I can say Liverpool <laughs> deserve to win that game. Uh, they were much the better side. Yeah. Uh, great, like, you know, move in the early minutes on the left-hand side, one of those training ground moves. And it, it honestly does feel a lot like playing in the training ground without any crowds, right? I think that explains to an extent... Uh, the number of goals that we're seeing. It just feels like the defensive intensity is not at the level that you expect, particularly in a derby game, which usually are these extremely tight, cagey affairs. This was quite open for most of it. Um, I think uh, I'm going to throw that out there, like Dominic Calvert-Lewandowski. The guy is a monster in the air, isn't he? Like he, He's quite special in the air. 
I mean, that header, as soon as he scored it, I mean, I, I like to banter DCL mainly because of all the guys who picked him as a f- cheap fantasy league pick last year. <laughs> um, the guy's clearly a much better player than he was last year, year before. Ancelotti seems to have transformed him, for sure. That's one player he can already claim. Uh, that header was Ronaldo-esque in the way he, he rose. Um, mm-hmm. And if it was someone like a Ronaldo, we'd be talking about that a lot more, I think, that particular goal. Uh, but yeah, great goal. Um, I thought James Rodriguez, much better second half. First half, definitely sloppy. Um, in fact, uncharacteristically sloppy for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but second half, he came into it and without, with some better finishing, would have probably ended up with three, four assists uh, in that half. Uh, but so yeah, I think Liverpool definitely deserved it on balance overall. But I think Everton gave it a good, a really good go of it. Second half, much more compact in their pressing, much more purposeful, much more aggressive in the way they were winning the second balls, which was really missing in the first uh, few minutes, particularly. So yeah, I think a great game. It, it was a great game, especially yeah. for the neutral. It was a great game. I I think there's a there's a point that you made which I found quite interesting, which is on on Hamas, right? Which is I think in a way this was a throwback weekend because I think two of the best players on show were old school number 10s, like uh, basically a role that people feel has, has been lost with this like, you know, world of pressing. You had Mata who did a really good job for United on yeah. a very similar position coming in off the right. Um, so there's probably a world in which that works, but you need an extremely strong central midfield base. You said the reason why United were able to get away with it, and we'll talk about that, was having you know, Fred and McTominay effective at the base of center midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's maybe a point to be made around like not being able to have a forward-thinking multifunctional eight if you yeah. want to fit a classic number 10 in, right? That you could do it with having, um, you know, the likes of Jakure, uh, the likes of like even Gomez, who honestly I don't rate as much as, as some other folks do. Uh, he's a bit lightweight. He doesn't really seem to like, you know, put a stamp on the game, what you yeah. expect. But I think there are ways in which you can still fit a classic number 10 in. And that's probably like an interesting learning for this weekend. Um, so. Sometimes it's by design with, uh, with a coach like Ancelotti. Sometimes it might be by accident with a coach like Ole. So, you know, it can go, it can go both ways on that count. But uh, yeah, maybe we, we take it a bit closer to home for you, right? And maybe talk a bit about, uh, about that Chelsea game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about that? In some ways, it went very similar, similarly to what... A, both of us actually thought um, it's actually interesting. Uh, the viewers won't know this uh, necessarily, but uh, we had a conversation earlier in the week and uh, we were discussing this particular game. And the two things I think that really came out of it were how, are Southam- how, how would Chelsea re- react to Southampton's pressing? And the second thing is, are Southampton going to play that kamikaze high line against uh, Timo Werner and he's going to run and wreck him? I think both happened in the same yeah. game, right? <laughs> um, let's start with Werner. What did you think of Werner this game? I mean, he's been, he's been a bit hot and cold so far. I mean, obviously he hadn't scored a Premier League goal. Um, what did you think uh, of his performance in this one? Um, I think he was very impressive, right? I think, I think what really stands out more than his pace is his acceleration and how he combines that with general positional intelligence, right? He, he's really good at playing off the last man. I think uh, it was a very old school piece of skill for that very first goal, right? I think it reminds yeah. you of like this famous uh, video from the 1970 Brazilian team of Pele doing pretty much the exact same thing. It's not really a skill you see as much nowadays because 
most forwards are kind of taught to take the ball to feet and not so yeah. much let it run. That's natural yeah. trajectory. So, so Werner is a bit of a throwback in that sense, right? He's very, very good at playing almost off the, the shoulder of the last man. Yeah. And over the first two yards, he's just absolutely electric. I think he'll do very, very well, especially you know, if he's going to come up against a high line. He's, he's kind of Aubameyang-esque in that sense, right? Like yeah, you never exactly want him to be isolating himself against the last man. He's very good at playing on the shoulders. He rarely gets caught offside. So, so very solid addition. And they got him for steel. They, he, they're getting yeah. a full-fledged German international for a very good price. I think you know, you've, you've been a big fan of him. Obviously, for Arsenal, they've already got a similar player there in that position. Yeah, a lot of top clubs who could have done well with him. So I think uh, yeah. that is a big one. But the other trend that you mentioned, you know, the pressing one, right? Very pertinent. Mm. Would love to hear your thoughts on that. Like, you know, because this is kind of the, this game was a microcosm of modern football in a weird way. <laughs> it was, it was. Um, it, it was a weird one. I felt like Southampton, there were times when they, they were pressing well up the pitch, but the problem was that uh, they seemed to keep forgetting about, uh, uh, about the spaces they were leaving uh, in between, particularly the fullback and uh, the right centre-back. And Werner kept looking at that space and you just thought at some point, come on, you've just got to get a bit more compact, but put tuck that full back in don't let him don't let him pick up that half space um, but obviously they it, 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 <laughs> he was eyeing it up kind of like how anderson used to eye up a cheeseburger when he was at manchester united right yeah, he was yeah, just yeah. eyes always on the price so yeah. to speak but it was it was like some pathetic defending let's be clear about that yeah, particularly in the last sure. 10 minutes it was the the roberto martinez titus bramble wigan yeah. athletic school of defending you know absolutely no defensive awareness all over the place, all of the shop, nobody putting their hands up. Yeah. Um, l- like Lampard, there's a lot of things he does well. I think he's, you know, progressive, attack-minded young coach. He gets a bit of a free pass being the, you know, England-Chelsea, yeah. well-connected legend that he is. Uh, but he really needs to like step up his defensive game. Bring in a full-fledged defensive coach, right? All top yeah. teams in Europe have like a, a dedicated defensive coach. And I think that you know, he, he just probably needs to swallow the bullet and say there's some things I do well and there's clearly yeah. like attacking patterns and, and you could always argue this was like Tony Pulis lump the ball up and score football, yeah. right? But it's obviously recognizing horses for courses. This makes sense. Top managers do it all the time. Yeah. Um, like Pep did that with Ederson and Aguero in that in that hundred point season quite often, right? Just like lumping it over because yeah. you can't be offside if it's the goalkeeper exactly. who's playing it on a goal kick. So, so yeah. there are ways around which you can. But yeah, it was it was just like absolutely terrible defending. <laughs> From um, both, yeah. It, it 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 is a game that really like exemplified 2020 as a year, right? Like you yeah. know, there's it's just like kamikaze, highline, extremely entertaining for like. Not yeah, for not for like for the sure. quality, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not for the quality on show, but like just the incredible ability to like make bad decisions consistently. So, um, speaking of bad it's... decisions, uh, <laughs> Kepper, uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that back pass to him. Um, if 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 you guys, the viewers, haven't seen this, uh, definitely search uh, for the clip, or otherwise we'll try and put it in the comments for you. Um, the, essentially. I don't know what's happening with this guy. And I mean, part of the issue with their defense must be knowing that this guy is behind them. I mean, just clear the ball, right? And then when he went back to get it, he kicked the post for some reason instead of the ball, like just all over the place. And I, I would say he probably should have saved the third as well. And yeah. there are question marks why Caballero didn't play, to be honest. 
<laughs> to be fair, like I, I don't think Pickford is very is much difference. Like Kepa, no. one of the worst goalkeepers I've seen in the league, to be honest, right? Yeah. Like I would go back talking about like bad defensive team. I would go back to that Wigan team, pick out Ali Al Habsi, and and play him over, <laughs> right? Then then Kepa and goal. That's that's how low I rate Kepa. He's just absolutely rubbish, and he has a sense of self that's completely disconnected from reality, right? The guy yeah. thinks that he's he's Gordon Banks reincarnated. Right, like, give me yeah. a break. Like, he can't, he can't save anything. Right, like, you know, he's he's not a bank in any way. You know, you don't want to put your savings down on Kepa. Um, and no. similar with Pickford as well, they're both capable of that one or two extraordinary saves. Yeah. Right, but they do the basics so poorly. Yeah. Right. That's and and if I'm a defender, I'm like absolutely crapping myself the entire game, knowing that I have like a walking calamity behind me, who who can't catch anything, who can't save anything. It's, it's just, it's just yeah. ridiculous. So, um, I, I'm I mean, there's a reason he's, bought... yeah, there's a reason they don't need to test him, right? I mean, he's not catching coronavirus even. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. Yeah. That's true. He, he is, uh, yeah, Kepa, yeah, he, he's a calamity. The, the sooner they get rid of him and get Mendy in, Mendy can't be worse, right? He could be like, no, Mendy's at, good. Mendy is yeah, good. At, at 10% fitness, he probably is still better than <laughs> Kepa has been. Like, you yeah, know, it's, one it's arm. uh, with with one arm, potentially with no arms at all at this yeah. point. So it's uh it, it's it's kind of weird. Like and and I think that Lampard notices it well. He's he's trying to find the balance between like effectively dumping your record signing, right? Because apparently mm-hmm. Harvard's was was cheap enough thanks to some Marina Granovsky magic negotiating yeah. magic than that this guy was. So but uh, yeah, uh, one of the worst signings. I think it's it's already looking like one of the worst signings that this league has ever seen uh, unless he turns things around spectacularly, but his basics are so poor that I don't really see that happening. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was, it was an interesting game and, and going back to games in which like basics haven't been happening, um, the United game, right. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Like I'll, I'll, I obviously have my views on this, but we'd love to get a sense of how that looked like for the neutral. Well, for the neutral, I think it went exactly as I thought it would uh, as much as I like to banter my friends Still, you've still got the players there. And, but one thing that did surprise me was the starting lineup, for sure. Looking and seeing Mata come in, James come in. But for once, I've got to give Solskjaer a bit of credit because one thing he did, stick James on the left-hand side, looked a different player, to be honest. Completely different mm-hmm. player. Uh, he looks lost on the right-hand side. Um, for once, he didn't look like the knock-it-past uh, sprint and hope for the best. Uh, and I think the other thing was what you touched on earlier with Mata. To be honest, Mata, every time he's played for you guys, he does a job. The only thing is that he's slow, uh, but mm-hmm. that it, he just shows you what that old school number 10, if you put the right players behind him, make sure he ha- doesn't have to do the running and he can just orchestrate uh, your attacks. It just makes such a difference. Uh, the one thing I should say on this as well, is that uh, it was probably one of the first games where I actually felt you guys had some sort of attacking patterns, particularly when Van der Beek came on. Uh, That's true. I, I thought that was completely different. I mean, I keep getting sent clips by my friends saying, oh, look at this. Like, uh, it's, it's clips of literally Martial passing it to Rashford, running in and uh, scoring, and then uh, saying, oh, look at our attacking patterns. It's like, so now we're talking about Two, three, make, being able to make two, three passes as being attacking patterns rather than a plan. I mean, try and show flowing, me another goal. Flowing team modes, yeah. right? I think that's the, that's the big thing. Like, I think, uh, I think like you kind of hit the nail on the head um, to a large extent. I, 
I, I still didn't feel James had a great game. Like, no. uh, I think I'd probably disagree, like in the sense that, yes, he looks better on the left than the right, but, you know, <laughs> uh, he, he's basically playing with 10 men on the right, right? He just yeah. does not have a clue what he's doing. So it's, it's, uh, it, it has to be an improvement. You could exactly. see every single time he got to like a decent position, he consistently made the wrong decision. It was like almost Trump-esque, like every single time, like, you know, exactly doing what you don't expect him to be doing situation so sure but i still thought um, he gave you the right shape this is where it's a bit different uh, i'm not i'm not necessarily saying he had a world of a game but i just think he was better used than oh yeah you had sure. to, he had to come in because you didn't have martial available for this game but if he'd stuck him out on the right i think there was another walking disaster there and i think uh, it, you actually had really good shape in the team with him on the left it was actually a pretty good performance overall like yeah. like just taking a step back i think uh for me, the big thing that stood out is, you know, Maguire wasn't exposed as much, right? And I think that's a bit of that is down to like Newcastle's tactics as well, right? Yeah. Um, St. Maximan, what a what a player, right? He's just he's just like an old school throwback street footballer, great to watch. AWD, like AWB did a great job on him. Mm-hmm. Van Bissaka, like, you know, again, dif- like, uh, and he scores, but defensively, again, the guy is the best one-on-one defender in the league. Right, like probably the only at other least, person you could throw in there. Out of the fullbacks, the only ones that you could really throw in there in terms of tactical success rate is Van Dijk, and well, we've gone there enough, right? Like so, it, it it was a very impressive game from him. He kind of shut that down to a large extent. You know, Maxima still did much better against like I, I, there was this point place in which he just like, ghosted past McTominay, uh, which like yeah. he didn't even exist there. But but and this is like an important point. McTominay and Fred, I, I'm. I'm actually okay with that as being our central pivot, right? Because yes, yes, it's not the best players on the pitch, so to speak, but it actually protects our back four much, much better. Like you can't have a central defender with the turning radius of the Titanic next to a central defender who craps himself every single time this big round ball comes towards him and, and play Pogba there. Like Pogba, like... In the way I think about Pogba, and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to almost get to the point where I'd happily see him sold and like recoup some of the money. Um, he's clearly a distraction at this point in time. He, he's a world-class player. On like raw yeah. talent, probably the most talented player in the league. Right? Like I, I definitely believe that. The problem is he's, he's kind of the cherry on top of a really, really tasty cake. Right? Like we're, we're still at burnt bread at this point in time in terms of like the team that we're really building. Uh, having having Pogba there and trying to shoehorn him is is kind of like going in public transport during COVID and not wearing a mask but wearing gloves, right? It's not really yeah. going to help you that much. You're still going to get it, and it's still yeah. going to be pretty crap when it happens. So I think I think that's kind of where I'm going to. It's I don't think it's possible to fit the likes of Bruno, who's always forward thinking. Um, he really like reminds me a bit of like what Alexis Sanchez should have been. Yeah. Right. Like and, and even like somebody like Salah in the sense that he has this ability of like looking rubbish for large parts yeah. of the game and then producing an outrageous moment of quality. He's just yeah. like able to do that. Uh, he, he's also taken the criticism that he only scores penalties to heart and he's yeah. clearly, that's the only reason he missed that one. Yeah, and, exactly. And, but he, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the only reason. He knows, he knows. He's been on football Twitter. He knows only non-penalty goals count. So. Exactly. Yeah, and... Um, the one last thing is his post-match interview. I just want to touch on that. That was a serious captain's interview. Any United fans out there, go catch that. Any non-United fans, go catch that as well. Because I think it's rare to find such a well-spoken um, like, like footballer who really wants to win and be the best version of himself. That's why, like as a United fan, yes, there are times in which Bruno can really frustrate you. 
guy's box office. He's got a mentality of a winner and a leader. And I'm more than inclined to believe those reports that he went at Maguire and called him exactly what he probably did, which yeah. is rubbish in the last game. So overall, um, I'm there. happy we won. Happy we won, right? Uh, like the thing is, like the goal really has already shifted to like keeping pace with not being out of top four contention as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's, there's, there's a lot of scope for weird things in this league right now. Um, like every single team feels like they're not where they want to be. So all United probably need is like a few results they can string together. Like, you know, shithouse it the old school Mourinho way. I'm okay with that, but we just need some points on the board. Um, but yeah, uh, Ole has to score, show more, but I think they showed a fair amount in terms of mentality. And I think that's pretty gratifying as United fan, yeah. right? I, they they I showed agree. like they wanted to play for the team. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think uh, if you hadn't won this game, there would have been some incredible heat. I think he would have been one foot out of the door uh, with, the, uh, with the fixtures you've got coming up. PSG, yeah. what is it? PSG, Chelsea, Leipzig, Arsenal, is it? Yeah, it, it's the, the the weird thing is, and I, I will say this, and you can guys can quote me on this. I can actually see us like shit housing a few results out of that. I, I agree. I agree. I'm not I, sure about PSG. I feel like I feel like PSG are just slightly too good. Just, just yeah. too much of course. And also, just imagine <laughs> yeah. like having Mbappe going up against Maguire, oh, right? Oh like God. and Neymar. Yeah. I mean, yeah, double Neymar. Teaming, them double teaming Maguire would be. Uh, the, the most there, there is one there's two things I want to watch in that game we'll come to that as part of our maybe midweek preview at preview, some point yeah. in time but but looking at Neymar against AWB that's going to be a really interesting battle on the left so. and the second thing is uh, I just want to see what happens with Verratti uh, and and Bruno because they're going to be at very similar points on the pitch so that should be a pretty interesting battle um, looking forward to that but overall uh, you know a lot of gloss on the final result but we played some good stuff um, yeah. you know it, it's a, it's the it's probably the best case scenario of what we could have expected, having gone back, gone you know, gone behind in the second minute mm-hmm. after a six-one defeat. Um, where, yeah, I think I think this was probably the best result we could have had. So not complaining whatsoever. Um, but baby shoots, right? Baby yeah. shoots. We we need to like show more. Um, and I think that uh, Maguire getting that goal, uh, very very positive though. He's still lots lots like left unsaid in terms of his defending, but we'll get there eventually. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So turning this around to you, yeah. right? The other game, maybe we we'll talk about, and then we come back to Spurs. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested in like since we're talking tactics, two of the most I think yeah. tactically astute coaches going up against each other, right? The master and the apprentice, like Pep versus Arteta. It feels like we're seeing this a lot. Like I don't know why. For neutral, it already feels like <laughs> this has happened a few times. Yeah, it's because it's the third time in what, like two, three months that uh, they faced each other as well. It's becoming a bit like uh, in cricket. Yeah, India playing Sri Lanka. It's like every uh, time you look, somehow there's another game on. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was. It's a weird one. This um, I have very mixed feelings about this game. One thing I've got to say is that uh, we're clearly better than we were before. This was probably the first time in a long time uh, that we've gone to the Etihad and not got absolutely Ball. smashed. Yeah, literally getting our asses handed to us on a plate. Um, so I guess that's good. But at the same time, I just felt like a little bit more desperation, a little bit more spark, the final third, a bit more intensity. Risk. I would have, I would have happily lost that game 2-0 by conceding at the end. If 
we were willing to take that extra risk. Uh, I think tactically, as you said, very, very interesting game. Uh, so Arteta has been doing really well with uh, this kind of hybrid back five, back four, where we almost play a kind of false left wing back. <laughs> I mean, given all our attacks come down the left, uh, where out of position, the wing, uh, you almost have five at the back with Sako in this case, it was NC Maitland-Niles before, uh, playing that left wing back. But as soon as we get the ball and run forward, that person tucks into midfield and becomes a third uh, central midfielder. So actually, if you look at average positions, I think it comes out as a lopsided 4-3-3. This, is, this has been really good. One of the things it's allowed us to do is free up Tierney to mm-hmm. step out of left centre-back and get down the, the wing. Uh, but because one person would usually have to pick up that extra midfielder. But I think what Pep did really well here is, yes, he named a back four, but really it ended up being a back three in both in and out of position when you look at the, um, the average positions. And he essentially tucked Cancelo in from the right-hand side to stop Saka getting into that midfield and just having free reign. That said... The kid played absolutely brilliantly, and if he, he, he is a bit one, special, isn't he? Yeah. He is definitely a bit special. Like yeah. I, I didn't see the hype about Martinelli as much, right? Yeah. Like, but but Saka, the, the kid's got something. Um, yeah, I mean, Ma- Martinelli has his he has his assets, but he is nowhere near as technically gifted as Saka is. I mean, that's some performance, and I feel like he's probably laid down a marker to be one of the creative forces and I feel like in, for, in games going forward I'd like to see him playing further forward as well um, we had absolutely nothing I think the you were talking about uh, where playing old school number 10s uh, or kind of false nine whatever we want to call them uh, where it worked well I can tell you where it did not work well and that was playing Willian in that position and oh, yeah. uh, God that I do not want to see that ever again. I would almost rather see us uh, push Saka up the pitch, play a normal front three. Um, I'm hoping that Partey coming in now will allow us to do that and push that extra midfielder up the pitch. Uh, mm-hmm. I felt like that was lacking here. Too many times, given that City always kept three at the back, almost in that Ajax, the classic Ajax uh, Three for three. Where they carried on keeping triangles around all of our players. I felt like both Ober, uh, Pepe, Pepe in particular suffered a lot because of this lopsided formation. He was out there. He was, it was always 1v3. And I feel like we need to start addressing this by pushing just that extra player up the pitch, allowing us to create overloads a bit more in the attacking side. I think we do it okay when we're building from the back. And uh, we create overloads on one wing. Uh, I feel like when teams have that extra man in defense or whether when they sit back a little bit, we do struggle to break that down. So I really want to be seeing us uh, switch to a 4-3-3 as soon as possible. So yeah, uh, in short, better than usual, but it Mm -hmm. felt like a bit of an opportunity missed. Yeah, I think I I would agree with that, right? I think... um... In a weird way, this might be one of those games in which, like, having Ozil on the pitch would have probably <laughs> had value, right? Particularly 100%. where, like, Pepe played, which is, it almost yeah. feels like Pepe 
does the opposite of what he should be doing in certain circumstances. He's like the anti-Arba. Arba almost like he can do a lot of different things, mm-hmm. but he knows exactly what to do and when to do it. That restraint is actually one of the one of the best parts of his game. Like he knows yeah. when he needs to beat somebody versus when he just like passes yeah. the ball around. Uh, that like said, that, he didn't have a good game. <laughs> he didn't have a good game, but like the point is like, there was a sense of what the plan is with Arba. And if it doesn't come off, it doesn't come off. And I think that's where like Pepe really has to do better with that price tag. Like I, I, think I struggled, I struggled to rate him to be very honest. I think that yeah. there's raw materials in a very, very specific system that could work really well, but it's, I've, that that's one player and another player who didn't have a great game. Yeah. I know you're a huge fan, but the the kind of Tesco shopping tyranny really looked like a budget fullback against Mares up there. You know, he, he did not game. have a good he had, he had a pretty a poor game. game. Um got got shown up a fair amount, but particularly positionally, I felt like he just yeah. and that could be down to the system, obviously, right? Like you know, I, I think there were the two things. System. Let's let's talk about those actually. I think it's really interesting you bring them up. Um let's start with Tierney. Uh one of the things which uh we've been quite good at doing is sitting back into a nice defensive shape, staying nice and compact. And I felt like too many times. It could have been because Cancelo was uh, shifting into uh, midfield a bit, almost like the opposite of what we were trying to do with Saka, uh, which meant that Saka was having to pick him up in the middle, which meant that Tierney was getting exposed on one side. And Mares is one of those guys, he can make anyone, if you're one-on-one with Mares, literally unless you're Virgil van Dijk, I mean, possibly, I guess, if AWB was on that side. But I mean, you're, you're going to struggle. And I think. And he can uh, go both Tierney, ways. I think that's the thing which makes Maris particularly dangerous, yeah. right? He can genuinely go both ways. He's not yeah. always like a cut in merchant either. Yeah. Like his dribbling is quite fluid. But sorry, like go on. Yeah. No, absolutely. I 100% agree. So I think, uh, yes, Tierney had a tough game. But I mean, I, I still rate the guy. Uh, I think he was left exposed a bit too often. And I'm hoping having that extra guy in midfield. Some, I mean, having Partey playing in the midfield and able to make the runs up, both up and down help mm-hmm. to add that extra man. I think, uh, judging by when he, where he played when he came on, it looks like he'll play on the left-hand side of uh, midfield when he does. So I think, uh, hopefully, I would like to see an improvement there where we're not leaving people exposed one-on-one. Uh, coming back to Pepe, it's an interesting one here. The reason I think he gets a lot of heat is because of that 72 million. First of all, I mean, no one's going to say he was worth 72 million, but there were no other right wingers available last summer. He was always going to go for a premium. The, the difference, though, is that you need to look at the kind of player he is and what he's very good at is running in behind um, and being direct. The problem is that in the current system that we're playing, where we essentially have no proper number 10 or creative spark, and we don't have an overlapping fullback, Bellerin most of the time is being asked to tuck in. Um, I guess it's because we're playing uh, in this shape. Uh, it seems a bit weird, honestly, because that's actually underlapping yeah. a lot more than he is overlapping. Which, Which is a bit surprising because, yeah. like, he's a bit of like this, like almost a Spanish roadrunner, right? He can, yeah. he bombs down. That's that is how exactly. I remember exactly. Bellerin. Exactly, and I think uh, whether it's confidence, whether it's tactics that we're trying to implement, I don't. An injury? It. He was isn't he coming back? It's injury. Like- it's injury, but he seems to be. He he's definitely seems to have come back. For me, he should be overlapping. He should be drawing that man out of position, so that Pepe can be direct. 
there is literally no point in Pepe being out there isolated on his uh, on the right hand side. He's yeah. I mean, he, you'd literally have to be a left footed Neymar to be able to produce something from there, being up against three people all the time. He he's not getting any help. So I still think this player there, if they can play him properly, he needs to be making the diagonal runs towards that penalty spot. And either you need a good number 10 who's going to unlock that, or you need the overlapping fullback, ideally both. Um, and that's what we're not seeing at the moment, and hence he's struggling a bit. But I think there's a, I, I think there's a player there. Unlike, unlike a lot of Arsenal fans who are starting to question whether he has a role at all, I definitely think he does. I just think we need to start playing the right system, uh, allowing him to, uh, I mean, playing to his strengths rather than his weaknesses, which is what we're seeing at the moment. I, I think, I think, yeah, I think just to like close this conversation, I think two things that just to, to end with, right? Number one is this kind of harks back to what we spoke about. Like, you know, there's a seven on 10 window, mainly because you didn't get a number 10. Exactly. Right. Like this is a game I can see Arsenal having done really well. And if you had like the likes of our or like Grealish in there. Yeah. Right. That's the kind of number one. And number two, it really did expose, I think, some of the hesitancy. Like, I, I know like a lot of my Arsenal mates have been sending me, you know, when the Fulham game 3-0, the, the great stats that Willian put up. Right. I think yeah. I was a bit hesitant. I think I mentioned that in the last episode as well. And this is kind of why, because I still do remember Willian is like, he's always full of running. So it's, he doesn't get criticized as much because yeah. it's, you know, everyone likes a trier, right? Everyone likes a little yappy guy going around, like just making sure that they're doing something, but it's, um, there's a genuine question about like quality, particularly in those positions, right? When he's not part of a, a team that's creating in general. So overall, I, I'd say, I think it's a fair result. Uh, I think Pep, you know, showed yeah. there's, there's been a fair amount of questioning about Pep. He didn't have a great season, but potentially the worst season of his career last year. Um, he still showed that he's capable of like pulling a rabbit out of the hat. Uh, I think that Cancelo move, um, you know, yeah. quite re- reminded me of like those late uh, 2000s Champions League games where like the, the trend of having a, a winger cut in started, right? It really started with like uh, Robin. And what uh, some coaches started doing was they started putting um, opposing footed players, right? So on the left wing, for example, putting a right footed yeah. player there just so that you can have an advantage while tackling. And, and I think that this, again, this move towards like having inside forwards quite consistently, we might actually start to see a rise of that. And, and Maitland Nines is a good example, right? Because he's yeah, been played in that way. Say, yeah. So, so it, it's interesting. I almost think that maybe this was one of those games in which having Maitland Nines there, I think that was I a agree. bit of a tactical mishap on the part of Arteta. Yeah. Um, that said, Saka's had a good like, game playing in that position. So it's a bit, it's hard to... Well, the thing is like, you know, in a way, having Maitland Nines there and he can tuck in, right? Because he's going in naturally on his right foot meant that Saka could probably go on the outside for Cancelo, which meant he couldn't come back inside as much. But all, all you know, hypotheticals, could have, would have, should have. But it's, it's, it's one of those things, like, I think generally Arteta has shown that he's, he's quite sharp and he learns. He's, a, he's more of a pragmatic coach than, than Guardiola. So I expect he'll, he'll learn that sometimes you, your system don't work. And just, like, you take it on your chin and you walk away. Um, talking about things that it's hard to take on the chin repeatedly, being a Spurs fan, right? Like they really Spurs it up this time, right? Did they? Like that's got to be hard. Like whoever you are, that that's like having a glass chin, right? Like one yeah. punch and they all fall out. What do you think of that game? I'm sure you're pretty stoked with how that went out at the end. I definitely enjoyed that. Uh, I mean, particularly I enjoyed some of the stats that were coming out. So Spurs, congratulations! You are now the first team to concede. Uh, well, 
you're the first team to concede a three um, goal def uh, well a three goal winning margin in the last nine minutes of a game. Uh, we thought actually that it might have been Liverpool the first ones, but turns Christanbul? out Christanbul. Yeah, yeah, turns out you managed to beat them. So congratulations. Um, they, they, to be fair, they set out the season thinking they wanted to beat Liverpool. They managed it, not really in what they expected to, but you know, it's it's a start. It's definitely yeah. a start. But that was a that was a really interesting game to watch. I would say, like, <laughs> like a few things that really stood out. Right, number one is um, Ken. What what a player! Like, just um, he he's like he kind of brings together two really great classic English centre forwards. Right, like you had. There's shades of Shearer, particularly in how clinical he is, though I'd argue he's probably at his best from that 20 to 22 yards out. Like He's just absolutely amazing from the end of the box. He almost managed to get something on target. He shoots low, kind of, that, kind of similar to how Greenwood does it. right? Before the goalkeeper and the defense have a chance to get themselves set up, he's already got a shot away. And it's usually not where you think it's going. It's like going to the near post when you think it's the far post. And his passing, right? almost like kind of like Teddy Sheringham. Right, like the ability to find this pockets of space and and almost play like a false nine, quite exceptional. And and him and Son, that's going to be a partnership that's going to. Yeah. Son's a world class player. There's no way around it. Uh, he's also just a very likable player. It's like hard for me as an opposition fan not to like him. Great work ethic. Seems like he loves what he's doing, and he's just quality, just raw quality. He made yeah. the pretty hard finish look extremely extremely simple, which is a sign of a great player, right? You just kind of expect. Yeah that they're going to put it away. As soon as but he took it onto that right foot, you know. You, knew you, just, knew. you just knew that's going in. Yeah. But, and there's, there's a bit of a but, because I go back to like a game, and uh, I think it was 2015 January 1st, right? Which I think is the last time a great Mourinho, ta- Mourinho side existed, which was his you know, second season at Chelsea. He had built this really good side after like acquiring Fabregas and Diego Costa. They played some beautiful stuff that first half of the season. I think it's hard to remember right now, but with like Matic, yeah. Fabregas, Hazard on the left, then you had Costa up top, like shithousing his way. This this game like stands out to me because they lost 5-3, ironically, to Spurs. Yeah. Um, that was like f- the first time we kind of saw like botch ball, uh, so to speak. Um, and, and Kane was ridiculously good in that game as well in quite a similar role, probably like all action, just playing off the uh, off the front. and. Ever since then, that's kind of like basically come up with like what what is a big weakness that Mourinho has, right? And I'm still not convinced by the Spurs team, even though they battered us last week or the week yeah. before. Yeah. He just cannot manage when he's pressed. They have they have no idea of how to play out from the press. At least that's the way I see it. But I would love to hear your thoughts. It just seems like he doesn't know what to do if they no, start getting pressed. And that's what happened in the last ten minutes. Like West Ham. That, that great tactical mastermind, modern football yeah, magicians, yeah. Moise, going and yeah. pressing them, and they could not handle it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I often say it as a joke just to annoy my friends who are Spurs fans, but I felt that Mourinho has been finished for a while, really. And the reason I think he's finished is not because he's a crap manager overnight. He's still going to get you results. He may even win a trophy this year. But one thing is he's, he's a stubborn guy. He's always been a stubborn guy. And one thing he hasn't really done is reinvent himself, whether or for whatever reason. And there are shades of exactly what you said um, when that Chelsea team got battered in a lot of the games. I mean, even in some of the games you had him as a United uh, manager, we've seen this, this exact thing 
happen. I mean, not necessarily kind of late capitulations, but you have seen teams come and play off the park because they tend to press uh, the yeah. pitch. And I think uh, we were discussing this off offline, but there's obviously three ways to play through or out of the press, right? You either go long ball, which seems to be the only tactic he has, to be honest, mm -hmm. against it, whether that's the players he has or whether it's not. I mean, I don't want to comment on that, yeah. but it seems that that's the only one he does. And I think one of the main differences in that second half, because in the first half, I was tearing my hair out just seeing um, West Ham pressing, uh, coming all the way up to the halfway line, but not really pressing the ball properly. And as soon as they release Son, He's gone because yeah. it's a high line and no press. Um, as, but in the second half, giving Moyes credit, which we hardly ever do, uh, I think he made sure that he was keeping at least one to two of his centre-backs off, off the back three a little bit deeper than, uh, uh, than the others, which meant that when that long ball did come, one of them could come and head it back. And I think that made mm -hmm. a big difference uh, Particularly, Bonner, I think, yeah. Yeah, Ogbonna was the one uh, I, I was trying to remember his name. Um, particularly the job he did a couple of times. I mean, Kane was still breaking through a few times, but at least I'd say, a, a, I mean, quadruple improvement uh, we'd be talking about uh, in that second half uh, in terms of coming out and just heading it back. He did a good job on Kane. I think he might have well have picked up a yellow card for. Uh, site exuberance, let's say, for one of them. But that's what they needed to do early on. They needed to cut that out. They needed to know that's the only way he does it. And I think Ndombele coming off was a big blow, touching on the second way to obviously play through a press, that you literally play, one of your players plays through it himself. Uh, Ndombele is a top player, isn't he? I mean, the way his control in tight spaces... Similar to Dembele, actually. I was going to like, say, Musa Dembele comes to mind as uh, a very The ability to just carry the ball through the press, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's a very rare skill, right? And, and, and maybe that goes to number three as well, right? Just to finish yeah. the loop. So we had number one, which was like obviously playing the ball out, the long ball out. Um, maybe we need like a Fellaini Mark II, right? <laughs> like somebody who can almost take it on the, like, take it on the chest. Great chest yeah. control. Probably the best chest control I've seen of any player was Fellaini. Like there, there were redeeming qualities apart from the elbows flaying everywhere. I mean, you could see Number exactly why Mourinho loved him when you see exactly. his style. Yeah. But, but we played some good stuff, I remember, with LVG. Mm. Um, the only time in which we played decent stuff apart from the philosophy was like this, this 10-game period in which he played, uh, played him as a number 10. And Mata on the, on the right, um, it, we actually played some really good stuff that yeah. period because we could just get through the press with verticality very quickly. And obviously that was like extremely nascent stages of pressing, right? Pressing wasn't really a thing the way it is today yeah. a few years ago, but that exists. So that's number one, long ball your way out of it. And Liverpool do that as well a fair number of times. You know, they, they're very good at doing that. And they have used Van Dyke to release. Number two, as you mentioned, obviously, you know, effectively dribbling your way through the press and carrying the ball. What's number three? Well, number three is uh, playing that, uh, playing that ground, ground pass, really, isn't it? Straight through, breaking the lines, uh, and I think this is where Spurs really struggled in this game. I mean, in the past, I've seen Ndombele do it, actually, for Leon. It's one of the things which I saw and thought, gosh, this guy's a serious midfielder, like the way he breaks the lines. Uh, didn't really see much of that today. I don't know whether it's by instruction or 
mean, exactly what it was. Well, was it that the positioning wasn't right of the forwards for him to play that ball? Um, Declan Rice, uh, when I don't rate him, yeah, when I when Dombele went him. off and Winks came on, Winks is a much more limited footballer than uh, Ndombele. Declan Rice had a field there because he never had to worry about that uh, that ball through the lines, did he? I mean, he he had freedom he, of that midfield. He could just run around being a bit yeah. headless, and it'll be okay because there's yeah. that 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 risk of getting hurt is not just it's just not as a high, right? There. Like, just wasn't there. But and that's probably why, like, I think rate like Thiago so highly because he's one of those few midfielders who could do all three. So three. Great long distance passing. Uh, he's a ball carrier you can go past people like they don't exist and he's very good at like playing through the press which is like taking and receiving and taking and receiving and waiting until you can thread that ball through the line so um yeah no i think i think overall it was uh it's going to be interesting like i i, I still think they'll do well mainly because they've got the players that like he really needs he needs a top quality center forward who can hold the ball up is technically sound almost like a drug bar light right and yep. he has that here um, he needs somebody with pace who can run in behind, right? He's used a few different versions of that, and he has like some of the best there in Son. Um, he's got a midfielder who can really shit house his way in, like Hoiberg, like who's who's very mobile, okay, is happy to get his foot in there. Uh, Aurier is rubbish. I don't know why he's still playing <laughs> when they have Doherty. I just don't get the point of him. I don't get it. Right? Yeah. So it's 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 uh, there are like enough things there to make a decent Mourinho side, but like for a manager who made his money. And his reputation and being a defensive master, he's not shown much defensive mastery for the last few years, right? He yeah. just feels like he's been left behind in the way in which teams defend today, right? I almost feel like with with if you're going to press, you have to be old-hearted about your press, right? And make sure yeah. every single piece fits together. Or you go and play Burnley, be be the ginger Mourinho, right, with yeah. Sean Dyke, and just like play four at the back, and and Atletico do that, and they do that very very well. Yeah, people yeah. forget that there are they teams do. there who do a very good job with two banks of four, extremely well drilled, super compact. You know, they're sitting back yeah. and they know that you're not going to get through them, right? Yeah. The problem uh, is when you yeah. do when you do neither, it's almost worse than just doing one of the two, right? So I think, I think, I that's, think so. That's I think so. And in particular, I'd, uh, I mean, just bring this back to Arsenal. I think that's an example because uh, Arteta against the big teams in particular often adopts that kind of low block, two banks of four, almost Mourinho-esque style. And I often get some banter for it saying, uh, uh, you, I mean, you, you talk about Mourinho, but Arteta is basically doing the same. But there's a difference. There, there is a clear plan in that to play through a press. And it does not involve hoofing the ball up to, the, uh, uh, up to your striker. So I think... There's obviously some some stuff for them to work on. Um, I think you. It's interesting they mentioned Fellaini. They could really do with that uh, type of player. Although I think Kane is more than capable of also playing that role. Uh, but it feels like there's one person missing, and which is where I think you're you're spot on with the Burnley comparison. Almost play a two up top, play Son and Kane up top, and just uh, and just play two banks of four then. I mean, it makes more sense at the moment. To me, it looks like a four-four-two anyway. The way they're playing, mm-hmm. um, or, or you could play a really up. good. You could you could play a really good three-five-two, considering you have Doherty yeah. who can play on the right. Yeah. Right. He doesn't seem like he anyway trusts like Burwine, 
Um, this question is obviously about Bale and like where he comes back to, and that could obviously change this conversation, but you could play a very good 3-5-2. Uh, it prevents you from having these issues with the press because you always have a spare man in defense. On the left, you have Regulon, who's clearly better going forward than defending in general. And you have the opportunity to like, I think a big issue is he's never comfortable just having Ndombele and somebody else there. He always, rem and, and Ndombele has fitness issues, well documented. Gives you the opportunity to put an extra man in there as well, yeah. right? You can, and... Um, well, Dele it's, Alley, it's, maybe? <laughs> well, well, Dele Alley is, is not a bad option, right? The problem yeah. is, uh, I, I, he's just not a Mourinho-style player, is he? Yeah. Right. Let's be very clear about that. He's not going to take to him, and I don't. I think it's pretty obvious right now. So, um, it's interesting you say that because one of my uh, one of my friends is a Spurs fan, and I'm sure he'll listen to this and have a word with me afterwards. But um, he was looking at Dele Alley as being the next Lampard because of Marine, what Mourinho did with him. I feel like that Mourinho of 10 years ago could potentially do that with him. I'm yeah. not convinced this Mourinho will. It's, it's also like, I think there's, there's something to be said about how football has evolved. The, the, the limitations of managers' powers uh, today versus a few years ago, right? Uh, Mourinho's is definitely an old school throwback. It's like you're either with him you're without, or you're without him. Um, like his his word is really the the rule of law, right? And yep. it doesn't exist in today. You see that with all the big players, the likes of Pogba. It's probably a separate conversation about how like almost agents have facilitated this. Raiola is a great example of it. Mendes to an extent, but nowhere close to what Raiola has done here. So so maybe we talk about that in in one of our future episodes. But uh, overall, I think a few last thoughts. I think we saw that Barkley goal go in. You you. Yep. Great, great shout out to you, by the way. Like you, you called Barkley as one of the signings that we really should look out for. And I think he was pretty good. Grealish was, was quite exquisite again. Uh, Madison, don't rate him as much. And he did, yeah. he came on, he was, he was not bad, took up some decent positions, but he really seems like a budget Grealish to me. He just doesn't have that ball carrying abilities that Grealish does. Um, but overall, great weekend of sport. Um, I feel much better than I did two weekends ago, needless to say. Um, going to be an interesting uh, midweek ahead. It's a pretty packed set of fixtures for, uh, for United. And then pretty soon, I think our two teams will be playing each other as well. So I'm looking forward to some banter there. Yeah, looking forward to it. Great to chat. And uh, hope the rest of you enjoyed this chat as much as we did. And we'll see you soon. And, and leave some comments below. Like if you didn't, if you agreed or didn't agree with some of the comments that we made and some of the perspectives that we brought, where this is all about creating that community of like-minded fans who really follow the game closely. So would love to hear from you um, right down below. That's why you need to leave us comments. Take care. Bye-bye.